Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Guys, I'm officially on tour. I am so excited to hang out with you, but I need you to know this tour is a little different than anything you might have heard me or seen me do before. Still love Jesus, but I cuss a little, and that's what's gonna happen tonight, so get ready. Usually when I speak publicly, it's about how to grow and become a better version of yourself, and yes, I want to talk about that. Don't tell me that you can't do difficult things because that is one teeny tiny example of something that men will never have to deal with. But more than anything, I want to laugh. It's honestly been a really hard year for me and my kids. I just want to tell stories with my friends and laugh until we pee our pants a little bit. The second thing we're going to do is a live Q&A. Oh yeah, no, if you raise your hands, like you're in. <laughs> we get to learn and understand more about ourselves when we hear someone else's stories. The third thing that's different about this tour is that every single location has a bar. I wanted to have a girls night out. I wanted to have a place where you could get your sister, call your mama, get your neighbor from down the street, and you could come out and you could have a glass of cheap wine and you could watch a show and laugh and have fun and meet new people. The fourth thing, don't bring your husband. <gasps> yeah, don't, I said it. If you got a husband that will laugh about period jokes, bikini waxes, mom stories, bring him on down. If you're not sure if your man thinks that's funny, he doesn't. Come by yourself and make friends. Treat yourself to a night where you are dating you. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That is my number one intention with this tour is that I want to have fun and I know that we will. So check out the show notes to get a link to upcoming cities. We got Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Boston, and Toronto coming up. More cities will be added. Again, check out the show notes. Put the word out. Love you. I'll see you soon. So you need to ask yourself this dream that you keep half stepping into and not really pursuing and allow yourself to be talked out of and you let the voices in the back of your head have control of the reins and they decide that you're all of these things like if this is a must if you really put it in those terms if it became that serious to you 
you would figure it out. So if you can do that, if you can figure it out in those situations, you can figure it out in any situation. Review the things that you do know how to do. Review the areas of your life where you are an expert. Think of if any of you are cooks or bakers or maybe you're an incredible mixologist, maybe you're an incredible painter or you can take a really good picture with your iPhone. All of those things are skills you acquired. And some of those things you don't even have to think about. You're real good at them because you've done it so many times. The same is true for any other area of your life. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi guys, it's Rach and we're back for part two of our conversation about imposter syndrome. If you are just joining, go back one episode and listen to part one because it really does lay the foundation for what we're going to chat about today. And if you are listening to this in audio format, Also know that it exists on YouTube in a condensed format. So for those of you who are visual learners, if you really love that platform, the videos on YouTube tend to be a lot more dynamic. They're much shorter, hour-long episodes condensed to 15 minutes, kind of like the highlight reel or the Cliff's Notes version of the show. So if you want to consume over there, go, go follow, go subscribe, go be my friend on YouTube. In part one of this conversation, I talked about acceptance, this radical acceptance of the way that you are feeling being the first step to making change. In today's episode, I wanna talk about action. This is where I feel like some conversations about imposter syndrome miss the mark because they focus almost exclusively on practice self-care or admit that you're feeling this way to your therapist or practice self-compassion. And those things are very important. While I'm sure those choices that come up when I Google, I'm sure those things are incredibly helpful and necessary for some people. But at least for me and my personality type, I need I need to do stuff. I need to take action. I always gain confidence through experience and knowledge acquired. Like living through something and gaining knowledge, that's where my confidence comes from. And if you are feeling imposter syndrome, at its root cause, what you're feeling is insecure. So the opposite of insecurity is confidence. 
at least for me, the way that I get to confidence is through action. So in today's episode, I wanna talk about action you can take that will help you to move past this. I don't want any of us to learn to live with feeling like an imposter. That is negative self-talk. That is voices of authority from your youth. That is, you know, if you want to get real Pentecostal, I'd say like that is the devil trying to slow you down and keep you from doing good things in the world. But that imposter syndrome, it's not serving you in any way. You're not an imposter. You are worthy and enough and allowed to pursue the dreams of your heart. So if you're going to pursue those dreams, do it with all the energy you can muster. Give yourself the best freaking shot you have of achieving the thing that you want to achieve. And the best shot you have of achieving that is to pursue it without having to deal with all this other junk. Actions that you can take. In part one, I talked about acceptance. And the quote that I referenced was James Baldwin, you cannot fix what you will not face. In part two, we're talking about action. So one of my favorite quotes along this line, I think, let's see who said it. I think it's a sports thing, so I'm not as good. Um, okay, unfortunately, this quote is attributed to like 10,000 people. Seriously, Google is telling me that so many different people said it, so I don't know who it's originally from, but I'm gonna quote it anyway. Hard work beats talent when talent won't work hard. Let me say it again, because it's my favorite. Hard work will beat talent when talent won't work hard. This happens over and over and over in sports, in business, in the entertainment industry. You will see someone who has achieved success, who's, you know, they've like gone through the things, they've achieved the success, and they sort of like lose the hunger for who knows why. Obviously, we don't know anyone's story, but they'll lose the hunger for what they're trying to do. So they stop working as hard. And when they stop working as hard, even though they're talented, they have the skill, they've done it forever, someone, some young, hungry thing comes up and takes their spot. This happens in sports over and over and over. And when you see an athlete who has defied decades of time, I don't know a lot about football, but I know that Tom Brady, I, I don't know how to feel about him as a human being, but I do know that he defied what people thought was possible in terms of longevity in a career. You get to keep being a quarterback because you're great at it. So when we talk about action that you can take, I want you to ground it in this truth. Not everyone's going to agree with me, but if you learn and you grow and you evolve and you keep working at it and you keep trying, you keep chipping away at the thing, you can cut down the biggest tree you can achieve the greatest goal. And I know not everybody has the same access. Not everybody has the same resources, not an equal playing field. But I do believe for you listening to this, for you watching this, it goes back to what we talked about in the first episode about a limiting belief or an empowering belief. Yes, in certain circumstances, it's not true for everybody that if you work hard, you'll find a way. That's not true. Life isn't fair. That's not how it works. But you can hold on to that 
as your rationale for why you should never try, or you can choose an empowering belief. An empowering belief would be saying to yourself, man, if I just keep at it, you know, I got an ax and I'm trying to chop down a giant sequoia. But if I just, every day, if I chip away at this, chip away at this shit, and I keep learning and I, I get better tools and I sharpen my ax and now maybe I've got a saw and now, now maybe I know one person, I know another lumberjack and they can help me. Like if you keep working at it, you can get there. You can get there. So everything that I'm about to talk about in terms of action, I want you to ground in that. Even if you have a hard time believing it's true just for today's purposes, just hold space for like, but what if? What if that really is all it is? What if I keep giving up and if I just stayed in the race, I would eventually cross the finish line? So the first action that I want you to take is going back to the original reason why people feel imposter syndrome. They feel imposter syndrome because they believe that someone who's already doing it will do it better than they are able to. Like someone who's already an author, they got it. They did the thing. I'm never going to be that kind of author. Somebody who already started the restaurant in my hometown, they're a better restaurateur than I could ever be. They've already done it. They will do it better. I'm going to read exactly what I wrote. If they do it better, it's because they have more skill. They have more skill because they have more practice. If you could wave a magic wand and have spent as many hours playing basketball and training and whatever else LeBron James does to be LeBron James, you get to wave a magic wand, snap your fingers, you have all of his experience right now inside your body. Now, I'm 5'2", so if I got all of LeBron's moves, I've got his skill, his knowledge, maybe still not going to beat him in a game of basketball because I'm 5'2", but I'd be a pretty freaking amazing basketball player. It's, it's practice. You are telling yourself this lie that they, they, this mythical they is better than you because they have more practice. That's it. It's time. It's the 10,000 hours. You know this. You know in your heart of hearts, it like what's truer than true, like you know that that is real. Yes, there are people that have skill. There are people that have natural talent. I have a, a very dear friend who's an incredible, super talented musician. And I was asking him once, because I look at his career and I look at his success and I look at all the things that he's been able to do in his very young life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, did you just, you picked up a guitar and you just this was just like you could sing and you could do the whatever and like whatever. Like, because I'm just assuming. I didn't know a lot about his history or his younger years. So I just assumed like he came into the world and he was that little kid who could just do everything. And he was like, oh, no, Rach, I wanted to learn guitar. So I practiced all day, every day, eight hours a day. He's like, I got a guitar and I just started practicing. I can't remember how old he was. He was little though. And... 
uh, he was, we were sitting with some of his best childhood friends at the time and they're like, oh yeah, I remember we used to hide his guitar because we wanted to go play like video games and he wouldn't stop playing guitar. He said he would play until his fingers bled. He just over and over and over because he was so passionate about knowing how to play guitar. And he did it over and over and over and over. And I just, I loved the reminder because you could look at someone with his career and his massive success and think, oh, you just sprang into the world and you knew how to do this. And then you find out, no, he just was really passionate about it. And he taught himself how to do these things through 10,000 hours of work. The answer is not that they're better than you. It's that they're further along the path. It's that they've put in more time. And y'all, I think that has got to be one of the most empowering thoughts we can possibly hold. I mean, maybe that's like a guiding philosophy in my life. Guiding philosophy is that anything I want to figure out how to do, if I'm willing to put enough time, if I'm willing to learn from my mistakes, if I'm willing to grow and get better, then I can be an expert at anything. Because the experts used to be someone who just was excited about learning a new thing. Every single person you admire is just someone who got excited about a topic and figured out how to do it and then kept doing it and kept doing it over and over and over. It's just practice. You don't have to be at their level. If you put in 10,000 hours and you're still at the same level, well, yeah, we should have a conversation, but that's impossible. It is literally impossible for you to put in that much effort and not drastically improve. I don't care who you are, where you're at, I don't care. If you put in the time, you will get better. Wow, what an exciting thing to think. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker. 
getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously, you can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. When I first started as a speaker, y'all have maybe heard me tell this story, but I knew that I could stand on stage and talk to people. I had grown up doing theater. I come from a history of preachers and not just any preachers. I come from Pentecostal preachers, which are pretty... They're incredible storytellers. They, you know, they've got a fair amount of drama in their retelling. And I, we just had my dad over for lunch the other day and my boyfriend hasn't gotten to spend a ton of time with him. And after he left, my boyfriend was like, oh, it's, he's, he's a storyteller. Like I, I can see where you get this. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, all the things that I might think about my dad or struggle with with my dad, like my dad is who I get that from. So I had this idea that I wanted to try public speaking. I'd been in business for a really long time. And my first sort of dipping my toe in the water was I would speak at conferences for small business owners. So I don't know if you all have ever gone to a conference for your particular industry or when I was a blogger, I'd go to like blog her, I'd go to those sorts of things and I'd apply to be a speaker. As a side note, it's a great place to learn because essentially you can get your foot in the door if you come up with a good enough topic. And maybe there'll only be three people in the audience, but you still got to be a speaker at that conference and you got to practice, you got to put in a couple hours towards your 10,000 hours. So that's how I started. I gotta be honest, I think I have always had the philosophy that if I just kept working at something, I could master it. I I don't know why I've always had that, but I can think of that. It's a tenet in my life. I don't remember ever being taught that. I don't remember ever learning it. I just thought, well, if I keep trying at this, I'll figure it out. So I started speaking and I can't even imagine how bad it was, but I would have moments in those talks where like someone would laugh in a good way. (laughs) 
<laughs> not in a like, oh, this girl's so terrible. Someone, you know, shoot her and take her out of her misery. But like someone would laugh at a joke or I'd see someone like, oh, okay. I'd see them like have an aha moment based on something I said. And I'm like, okay, I'm not perfect at this, but there are moments, there are little glimmers of of hope and light. And so I just kept working at it and working at it. And, you know, I've told you guys before that I would go up on to speak and my voice would crack and you could hear it shaking, which is so scary as a, as a public speaker. Like, you know, when the audience can tell you're scared or I would be holding note cards and my hands would be shaking. I would be so terrified of what I was doing, but I just kept trying, kept putting in the work, kept putting in the work. And I just knew that there would be improvement. I knew that if I kept showing up, I would get better. And I guess I wouldn't say that I did it with total confidence because I didn't really feel super confident in what I didn't know how to do. And there are so many times where I would get off a stage and feel embarrassed, truthfully. I didn't get off a stage and be like, oh, hot damn, like, look at me go. Many times I got off the stage and was like kind of bummed, like, oh, that that wasn't very good. But I trusted that I would get better or I would latch on to one key moment that made me feel like, okay, well, if I could just expand on how this part of that speech felt, if I could just expand from here, I could build something that maybe people would respond to in a better way. And I think if anything, I was super motivated by not being very good at it. Because in my brain, it was just an equation. Okay, you've put in five hours against being a public speaker. Let's revisit when you've put in 100, right? Let's look at this again when you've really done some work. If you've really done some work and you haven't improved, we're on the wrong path. But you can't pull yourself out of a game. You've only just started learning how to play. And so many of you are doing that. You're starting to play a game and then you're like, whoa, I suck at soccer. This is hypothetical soccer, by the way. I freaking wish I could run for 90 minutes like soccer players once upon a time. Anyway, not the point. The point is you start playing soccer for the first time. You play for a second time. You play for a third and you're like, man, I really suck at this. Yeah, because you just are figuring it out. You don't know what you're doing yet. Talk to me when you've put in 100 hours. In fact, way more people need to stop talking about the game, stop talking about how they're not good at it. They need to stop scrolling social media for people telling them how to be better soccer players. They need to stop reading books on playing soccer. They need to stop doing those things and just play more soccer. Too many people too many people. I have been guilty of this and I am positive that y'all have been guilty of this. You start something, you're not very good, and then you go down this crazy rabbit hole trying to arm yourself with research about how to be better at the thing, but you stop doing the only thing that would actually help you improve, which is action. Put in the work. Put in the work. I can't even imagine how many hours I've spent on stage at this point speaking. 
When I first started, I was so scared. I was so insecure. I wrote down every single thing I wanted to say. I took notes on stage. I only looked at my paper. My hands were shaking. Someone could run in here right now. I don't know why they would, but they could run in here and be like, Rachel, quick. We need you to go speak to 20,000 people right now about weenie dogs or about motivation or about small business entrepreneurship. And y'all, I am ready. I am, I am, uh, this skill is honed. I am like a fireman. I am ready at a moment's notice. You need me to go speak on a stage to people? I got you. Not because I'm better, not because I'm smarter, not because I came into the world with this skill, but because I have done it so many times. It's, I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just in me. And whatever it is you're trying to be great at, it will be in you too. It will become instinct. You don't have to think about it anymore. But to get to a place where something is instinctual requires a lot of time and effort. Number two, an action you can take. The second action you can take is to review the skills you currently have and the time it took to acquire them. And I don't even mean like some highfalutin fancy skill. I mean basic stuff, driving a car, raising a kid, being a great college student, knowing how to get an A, your marriage, like whatever it is. Think of all of the things in your life that when you started out, you had no freaking idea what you were doing. And now, because of enough time and enough intentionality and enough learning and growing, you are a master at all of these things. And all it took was just you believing, okay, I'm going to keep showing up. Or it was a situation where you didn't have a choice. That's the other thing is that we find ourselves in moments, like let's say parenting. I know a lot of you are mamas like I am. I had no idea what I was doing as a parent. None of us do. When you are a first-time parent, you have no idea what you're doing. And by the way, with every passing age that my kids get, like now I have a 16-year-old, every passing age I'm relearn. I'm like, okay, now we got to learn this. Someone told me recently they were like, my oldest son's about to go into his junior year in high school. And they said, well, you know, junior year is the most important year for college applications. And I was like, I had no idea. I no idea. Y'all, I did not. I went to acting school. I did not know that junior year mattered so much for his college. I have no idea. Great. Okay. It's a whole new thing I'm learning because now I'm the mom of a junior in high school. By the time his little sister is a junior in high school, I'll be like, girl, we got this. Let's go. PSATs, SATs, PQTIs. I don't know any of the tests. I'm not a I'm not a scholastically inclined human being, but you better believe that by the time Noah Elizabeth, she's ready to go, I'm going to have all the info. And in that situation, I'm going to have the info because I have to. Because when you have a newborn for the first time, if you don't figure it out, you're going to hurt your baby. So you learn these things because you have to. And some of you need to have a very real heart to heart with yourself about whether or not this thing that you're pursuing actually feels like a must. 
when you have a newborn baby, figuring out how to raise the baby is a must. It is a life or death proposition. It is a must. So you need to ask yourself this dream that you keep half stepping into and not really pursuing and allow yourself to be talked out of and you let the voices in the back of your head have control of the reins and they decide that you're all of these things like if this is a must if you really put it in those terms if it became that serious to you you would figure it out so if you can do that if you can figure it out in those situations you can figure it out in any situation, review the things that you do know how to do. Review the areas of your life where you are an expert. Think of if any of you are cooks or bakers or maybe you're an incredible mixologist, maybe you're an incredible painter or you can take a really good picture with your iPhone. All of those things are skills you acquired. And some of those things you don't even have to think about. You're real good at them because you've done it so many times. The same is true for any other area of your life. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So if we're thinking about those skills that you already have because of time that you have put in, and if you can look at those situations and go, okay, yeah, I I get it. I get what you're saying, Rach. I do have expertise in certain areas. I have total confidence in certain areas. I know that's true. So then the question that I wondered is if we know that's true, 
What is it about this particular goal or dream that causes you to hesitate? If in your heart of hearts, if at the most basic level, you're like, yes, I can work hard enough to acquire the knowledge I want to have to become more confident in this area. And yes, I have a proven track record of having done this before. So if those two things are true, what is it about this goal or dream that makes you hesitate? Because as I was writing these notes, I thought, you know, it's one thing for me to point this out to you, but if you still got some underlying excuses there, you'll use those things to talk yourself out of it. So it's like, what is it about this thing that causes you to hesitate? The two things that I thought of, maybe this won't apply to you, but maybe it does. Number one is because it's not something you know how to do. Because it's not something you feel super confident in, you don't feel in control. So there are areas of your life where you do feel in control because you know them really well. This is an environment you know. These are people that you know. You know how you behave in certain situations. So this area feels safe because you feel like you have control. But if you're pursuing something brand new, You have very little control, and that's scary, especially if you're a control freak, especially if you're a perfectionist, especially if you're an Enneagram one. You feel like, okay, but if I keep doing this thing over here, at least it's safe. At least I can feel like I'm in charge of my own life. But if I try and do something totally different, well, this is a world that I don't really understand. So I'll latch on to the idea that I don't really know what I'm doing when really the underlying cause, if you really unpack it, is like, yeah, and you don't like that you're not the one who knows the most. You don't like that you're not the one who's in control. You like this safe environment because you get to be the boss over here. But if you move into a new space, whole new ball game. So I actually wonder how many people think they have imposter syndrome, and really, underneath all that is their ego. Because the other piece of this, one, is that you're not in control, and two, is that you're at the starting line. You are at the starting line. And because you have achieved things before, because you have pursued goals and ideas and dreams and whatever, because you've done it, you know how much time it's going to take. You see where you are. You see a person that you admire and you have decided that the space between where you are and where they are is so long, there's so much distance, there's so much detail that it overwhelms you and freaks you out and you pull yourself out of the race before the starting pistol even went off. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Nobody is forcing you to pursue this thing. No one is going to be mad if you don't, except who you were when you were a 10-year-old and who you are when you're 90, right? The little girl who believed that she could do anything and the nine-year-old woman who looks back on her life and goes, man, I think I could have been a writer. I think I could have been this. You know, I was 
47 when I really decided to pursue my dream of being an artist. I was 47 years old and I really wanted to do this thing. But at 47, I thought, I'm too old. It's going to take too long. You're 90 years old and you're looking back on your life and realizing that you had 43 years left, that you basically had a whole second half of life left to go, but you talked yourself out of it because you thought it was going to take too long. Sometimes we allow ourselves to believe that the reason we're not doing something is like the surface level idea. It, you know, well, I have imposter syndrome. Yeah, maybe that's true. But maybe the root cause of that imposter syndrome is something greater. If you know that you've achieved things before and you know that you can work hard and you know that if you keep chipping away at it, eventually it will be yours, then what are you doing? You're letting a voice in the back of your mind tell you that you're not good enough when really it's that you don't want to put in that much time and effort. The answer for this, at least for me, is that if you are fearful of how long it's going to take or if you're fearful of the fact that you're at the starting line or you're fearful of the fact that you won't be in control, any of those things, it says to me that you are making decisions from a place of fear instead of a place of passion. When you're passionate about a subject, when you're passionate about a new skill that you want to acquire, when you're like my friend who played his guitar for eight hours a day until his fingers bled, when you're that passionate, you're not thinking of the timeline. You're not thinking of 10,000 hours. You're not thinking of what other people will say. You're not thinking of the fact that you suck. You're not thinking of any of that because you're so excited that you get to try the thing. If you've got any passion in any area of your life, fan the flames. Fan the flames. Like keep doing whatever you need to do to keep that passion alive. Get around other people who are passionate about the subject. Read books on it. You know, completely alter your social media feed so you're only consuming content about the one topic that you're really excited about. Like Fan the flames, pour gasoline on the fire because the passion will move you forward when nothing else can. If you're passionate about something, you are just excited to be invited to the party. You're not overthinking all of the other things or questioning whether or not you deserve it or wondering if this should be yours or thinking about people who are further along. You're like, holy crap, I got to play guitar today. A passionate person doesn't give a crap about how long it's going to take because they're not looking at the future. They're just excited to be here in the moment. The third way that you can take action against this is based on an old Peter Drucker quote, which says, what gets measured gets managed. What gets measured gets managed, meaning just track the efforts. If you track the efforts and you keep putting in effort, you will see results, period. The problem is that we have access to social media now, which shows us people who have completely outsized, ridiculous results that no normal human can achieve in the span of a month. But you're starting 
you know, your internet business and you're looking at like Bezos being like, well, he's about to own the moon or whatever. And you're talking yourself out of it because you're not actually measuring your real stuff. What gets measured gets managed. What you pay attention to and what you track grows. Okay, here's a perfect example. You and I were hanging out on this podcast right now. I know month over month how many people listen to my show. Because I know how many people listen to my show, I know that the numbers continue to grow. And some months they grow massively where we're like, what just happened? Like, where did these people come from? And some months it grows steadily, but it just continues to grow up. It just continues to grow and get bigger because we're measuring it. I don't obsess over it. I don't get frustrated if it's not what I think it should be. I'm just aware of what is happening inside of this space. And the beauty of it is if I have a moment, if I have a human moment where I'm like, "Ah, I'm not as big as this person, I really try and not ever get into that mindset. But let's say that I was. Let's say I was freaking out and I was like, dang it, I don't have as many followers as that kid who has the prime energy drink. My teenager told me about him. Oh my gosh, this kid's like killing it and I don't have as many followers and that's so sad and I wish that I, like if I got into that space, it'd be really easy to rob myself of momentum and energy if I didn't have years of measurement to go like, look, you're just, you continue to make moves. You continue to move in the right direction. What gets measured gets managed. So start measuring yourself. If you, you know, you're trying to grow in strength, you've started a new workout regimen, you're trying to get healthy, you want to grow in strength, well, start taking, you know, take a journal to the gym with you and start going, okay, on this day, I lifted five pounds. Well, fantastic. When you go back next week, lift seven As long as you're improving, even in small increments, you're improving. But if you're not paying attention to what you're doing, it's why you get all sorts of crazy sporadic results because you're not tracking anything. This is a really good one for anyone who struggles, and I'm raising my hand, who struggles with needing an authority figure to externally validate them. This is for anybody who obsesses over how many Instagram followers they have, how many YouTube views they got, how many, like, if you are obsessing over those teeny tiny things, day, oh no, this video got, you know, 12 views, but the last video got 40 views. If you're looking at a teeny tiny microcosm of the overall worldview, this one's for you. What is something that you can measure and track over time that is a real valid representation of whether or not you're making traction. It's actually a sneaky symptom of imposter syndrome is people who will sort of downplay their own intelligence or will second guess their own intelligence and will look for someone else to externally motivate. People do this with mentors. They'll get a mentor not for new information, but because in their heart of hearts, They have daddy issues or mommy issues, and they need someone older to tell them they're doing a good job. I've 100% absolutely fallen into this hole before. 
where I'm like, oh, I need this older man in personal development to tell me that I'm doing a good job to know that I'm doing a good job. Or I need this older man in personal development to like, you know, give me his seal of approval. And just as a side note, when we need external validation, we are so easily manipulated. Everything, everything, it's here, guys. It's intuition, it's gut, it's heart. Everything you need, you already have inside of you. Find some kind of metric that you can use to just show progress. So here's another great example. Started again on YouTube. YouTube is a huge place for podcasts. I think right now YouTube is actually the number one platform for podcasts. And I have a really big podcast. I'm not trying to be a douchebag, but you're listening to it. I do have a really big podcast on Apple. Like, thank you, Apple. Thank you, iTunes. Like, my show does really well. But there's a whole platform of people hundreds of millions of people all over the world, billions, I don't know, lots of people on YouTube that maybe don't know about my show because I'm not on that platform. It's why we're very intentionally making a move to like let you know we got stuff going on over there. But if I just kept throwing videos up there but didn't measure a metric, well, how do I know if the effort and the energy I'm putting into something is working. What gets measured gets managed. This is action that you can take right now. So when the voice in the back of your head tries to tell you that you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you'll never be as cool as XYZ, you're like, actually, when I started, I had five people who were on my email list and now I have 200 and that's massive. So shut up voice, it's not real. What's real is what has actually happened, not the stuff that your brain tells you. Number four, action you can take right now. Broken record, but it's never going to not be true. The circle of people that you surround yourself with is one of the biggest indicators of where you're going to be in five years. And I have talked about this so many times, so many authors and teachers and gurus and personal development and preachers have talked about your circle. The reason they talk about it so much is because it's true. It's been proven psychologically, scientifically over and over and over. You don't need to hear me say it again, but I'm just going to add one quick caveat to this. You become who you surround yourself with. If you are hanging out with people who have imposter syndrome, guess what? If you are hanging out with people who are constantly insecure, who are constantly putting themselves down, who are second guessing everything they do, who talk and talk and talk, but don't actually take action. If that is what you are being filled with by everyone around you, that is going to become your normal. And yes, it would be amazing if you could snap your fingers and all of a sudden have three great new badass, super confident friends who could hype you up. But what I have found is that it is easier to make your circle smaller than it is to add to it. It is easier to stop interacting so much with people who are not the right people for you than it is to magically snap your fingers and have a new bestie who's perfect for you in every way. 
So you don't need me to tell you again that who you hang out with is a massive indicator of who you're going to become. You got to know that by now. But if you keep hearing that and what you think is, okay, I need to go attract a great new bestie, that's amazing. Manifest that in your life. But actually, the easier solution is just to limit your interaction with people who are not aligned with who you want to become. Last thing. We made it. Part one, part two. We are on to the last thing, the sixth action that you can take right now to help you move past this. The action to take is to move forward with clear focus. Move forward with clear focus. It goes back to something I was saying earlier about getting distracted and trying the thing and learning. And, you know, you want to go learn to play soccer. You play twice and then you spend the rest of your time researching how to play soccer. Too many people obsess over How, 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 books, podcasts, YouTube videos, mentors, coaching, masterminds. They like obsess. They keep gathering information, gathering information, gathering. Stop. Stop. It's like manic, obsessive hack searching. You're like trying to find hacks. You're trying to find a solution. Do the thing. I realized today, actually, when I was making this list that I haven't told you something that is a really key component in how I acquire knowledge. Hopefully, you've heard me talk about this thing that I learned originally from one of my mentors, John Maxwell, where I was listening to him speak. I was out in the audience and he said, knowledge is, and the audience filled in for him, they said power. And he said, wrong. Knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power. It doesn't matter how much you learn. It matters what you do with what you learn. So I realized today that I've never, I I really don't think I've ever talked about this with you guys. If I'm reading a nonfiction book, if I'm trying to learn anything, Maybe I'm watching a YouTube video, I'm listening to a podcast, I'm reading a nonfiction book about a subject I'm trying to learn. And let's say I read chapter one and I get real fired up. Holy crap. The knowledge in chapter one. I'm so hyped. I'm so excited. Maybe this chapter is on, you know, better routines. Maybe it's on health. Maybe it's on business. Maybe it's on relationships. But in chapter one of the book, I just got 50 ideas. I'm so pumped. You know what I do? I close the book. On chapter one, I close the book. I do not keep reading on chapter two until I have applied the knowledge of chapter one. See, we get excited. We're so excited by chapter one that we go to chapter two. Holy crap, this is amazing. Then chapter three, then chapter four. Maybe if you're like me, you're a voracious reader. You'll dig the whole book. You'll go through. You'll do it all. You'll take notes and highlight. And you get to the end of the book and you're so excited, but you have too many ideas to, you know, oh, the book, I read a small business book and it talked about email lists and bonuses and offers and values and learning my finances and PR. And it was all of the things And it was so many good ideas that it's like scattershot. It's all over the place. 
close the book on chapter one. Do everything that you learn in chapter one. Sometimes I got to go back. I read chapter one again. Did I do everything? Did I, did I learn everything I could from this knowledge that I just got? Yeah. Awesome. Chapter two. Go do the thing. You want confidence in a certain area? It looks like a memory of a hundred times where you did that thing and survived. It looks like the memory of one experience stacked on top of another, stacked on top of another, stacked on top of another. So even if the voice in the back of your head is super freaking loud and it's telling you all the ways you suck, you're like, yeah, thank you. I see you. I accept you. Loving, compassion, all that jazz. But hey, sis, I've done this 250 times. So even if what you're saying is compelling, and it is because you're the voice in the back of my head, so you know all the little triggers I got that you can push. Thank you. But despite what you are saying, I have evidence, evidence of the fact that I actually am strong enough for this, that I am smart enough for this, that I am worthy, that I am enough, that I can figure it the hell out. I might not know right now, but I can figure it out. That is only possible if you've got the experiences to back it up. And those experiences are only possible if you show up and do the thing. So go play guitar until your fingers bleed. Go write 10 crappy books that nobody cares about. Go make 100 podcasts that only your mom listens to. Go change your major. Go talk to the guy at the bar. Don't wait for him to talk to you. Go talk to him. Go put on sneakers and run a tenth of a mile without dying. And when you realize that you didn't die, show up tomorrow and run two tenths of a mile. That's how you become a marathon runner. It's not by talking about running. It's not by reading about running. It's by putting on your shoes and actually moving forward. I hope that something I said today was helpful, guys. I really appreciate your willingness to sit here and listen to all the ideas. I will be back soon with more information. Until then, remember, I love you. Jeffrey loves you. And we're both rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. 
Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.